BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Hey everyone, it's me, Steve Balistrieri, host of Software Radio. I want you to know about this new app, the How We Reach coaching tool. Download it and learn how to reach out to friends going through a really hard time. Thanks to the app, you can now get helpful information on how to talk to friends who are really struggling and can help them find the help that they deserve. We all need help and support sometimes. Go to reach.gov, that's R-E-A-C-H dot gov to learn the steps everyone can take to prevent suicide. Check out the How We Reach coaching tool today. Thank you very much. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to SoftRep Radio. SoftRep Radio on time, on target. Uh, we have a very special guest with us on this week's podcast. Um, we have Dr. Chloe Carmichael, who's the author of a new book that's out, Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety. Uh, Dr. Carmichael graduated with honors from 
uh, Columbia University. She also holds a doctorate in clinical psychology from Long Island University. And she runs a private practice, I believe, out of New York City. Um, and she was, or I believe she still is an adjunct college professor. So um, uh, she's been on VH1, Inside Edition, ABC Nightline, Nancy Grace, which uh, is, is a popular show in this household. So, <laughs> um, but before we get into and in, uh, the podcast today, and welcome, Dr. Carmichael, I just wanted to talk about the, the issue we're going to be talking about today is anxiety and stress, and you know that's kind of a dirty word for a lot of our population in the United States. But you know, special operations uh, veterans and a lot of our readers and listeners are you know, from the special operations community, we kind of welcome stress into our environment because we always try to aim higher than we perceive our limits are. And that's one of the things that, you know, one of the tenets of special operations. But, you know, sometimes even the higher up you get and the, the more rank that you achieve, you know, the, the more you kind of put your emotions aside. So uh, that can lead to issues. So with that in mind, I want to welcome Dr. Carmichael to our podcast. Dr. Carmichael, thank you very much for taking the time with us today. Thank you, Steve. And I also just really want to start by thanking your audience because, you know, I wouldn't have the freedom to just, you know, write books like this if it weren't for strong men and women like your audience that are fighting for our freedoms. And so I just want to thank everybody for for your service and for making it possible for me to be able to just sit in a comfortable office and write books. So I really appreciate that. Well, and we appreciate the work that professionals like you do because you, uh, you're in the business of helping people. So, um, you know, with that in mind, um, let's get into a brief, you know, biography. Tell our listeners about you and a little bit about yourself and how you get into, you know, becoming a psychologist. Sure. So <laughs> I don't want to totally lose your audience here, but okay, I started off as a yoga teacher and I joke about losing your audience because <laughs> I imagine that, you know, you guys are all, you know, super tough and everything, but, um, you know, I'm coming from a different walk of life here, but I, I do think that there's some overlaps, right? So I started as a yoga teacher and I think we all know it's good to keep ourselves, you know, fit and limber and all those things. And as we all know, yoga also has a big meditation component. And I know that your audience totally understands, as you said, the mental game of stress, right? And so that part actually got more interesting for me than the yoga. And so that's why I ended up going to get a PhD in clinical psychology and opened my office in New York, never, you know, thought I was going to write a book or thought I was going to hire people or anything. I thought I was just going to be a regular therapist. Mm -hmm. And I started um, really attracting more clients than I could even potentially really take care of because I was doing something a little different. A lot of therapists will just ask you, how do you feel about that? Tell <laughs> me about your mother or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whereas what I was doing was I was really saying, look, you know, it almost doesn't matter why we're quote messed up or struggling 
What matters is how to fix it, you know? And yes, we need to understand the origins in order to have a good fix, but let's keep the emphasis on the actual fix, right? And so I was getting a lot of very good results and getting, you know, referrals over referrals. I had to hire um, a bunch of therapists as well, just to take the overflow. I ended up joining Entrepreneurs Organization. Uh, I mentioned that because your founder, Brandon Webb, of course, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's where I met Brandon, is at Entrepreneurs Organization. And his, you know, stuff about mastering fear actually really clicked with what I was doing with nervous energy, this idea that um, we have a little stress, we have a little anxiety, but that actually stimulates us to give us energy, to keep us on point, to bring our A-game. And my book really just teaches people how to optimize that and how to make sure we get all the benefits of that without burning ourselves out so that we can do it the smart way. And that's, that's where we are now. Right. And, and in your book, and I didn't mean to chuckle earlier when you, when you mentioned psychology, because my, uh, my analyst with the VA, <laughs> that's the first question she asked me every time we have a meeting. So how are we feeling today? <laughs> so, you know, uh, that's a, that's a familiar one, but uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely you reading your book, you have some different techniques and I guess they're all, well, not all, but some of them come from that yoga, almost Buddhist, uh, lifestyle, doesn't it? Yeah. So a big thing as we, you know, you may know in Buddhism is mindfulness. And again, before everybody tunes out and thinks that's just a bunch of new age woo woo stuff. Let me say that another word for mindfulness, in my opinion, is metacognition, metacognition. That's where we're thinking about our thoughts. That's where we have that 30,000 foot view of our brain. And that's when we start to realize like, ooh, I'm, you know, starting to go off into a self-sabotaging, you know, thought line here. And when we have good metacognition skills, that's when we have the awareness of how to kind of nudge our brain and guide ourselves and use the right techniques so that we just have to deal with a spark instead of a fire in terms of over-anxious stress reactions. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when I was reading your, uh, your chapter on metacognition, again, I think, you know, our, I don't think you're losing our listeners at all because uh, the VA now, they, they teach a mindfulness class now for guys with PTSD and it's called mind and body. And it, it's not exactly the same as, as how you mapped it out, but it's very similar. So I don't think you're losing anybody at all, but I wanted to jump backwards a little bit because, you know, the book nervous energy, can you explain to our our listeners, what nervous energy is? Yeah, so the healthy function of anxiety is actually to stimulate preparation behaviors, right? So when we get a little anxious, you know, in caveman times, maybe because we saw some tiger tracks and realized that there's a tiger <laughs> around or whatever. And so that little kind of zing that we get, like, uh-oh, um, that actually triggers a little bit of adrenaline, and even actually some studies have shown actually makes our field of vision even become a little bit more narrow because from evolutionary times, we were literally just blocking out the noise and training our gaze upon 
whatever we really needed to focus on. So when we do get anxiety, we do get a little energy and our, our body and mind go into a slightly different mode. Now, that's what I call nervous energy, uh, emphasis on the word energy, because a lot of people, they just register those early signs of anxiety and they say, oh, oh no, I'm going to, you know, I'm getting anxious. This is weak. I'm going to block that out. Whereas in fact, it is actually a springboard for more energy. It's a zing. It's a boost. It's a gift from mother nature that teaches us, gives us the tools to be 100%, 110% on point with that little extra go time energy. And that's what I call nervous energy. And then the subtitle is harness the power of your anxiety. Because once we recognize we've got that little go time blue light special of energy happening, the next step is just to make sure we point it in the right direction and we don't waste it. We use it. Yeah. And uh, can you explain to our listeners just a little bit of how we can harness that into instead of being a negative, like, oh, my God, you know, now I have all this falling on my head, how we can harness it into a positive. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I've got nine techniques in the book. And, you know, just to, to pick one, for example, we'll call it the mental shortlist. There's a mental shortlist technique in the book. And we use the mental shortlist when suppose that you're getting those zings of energy and nervous energy about stuff that is no longer relevant, right? So that can happen to even people in regular civilian life or, you know, for those of your audience that are no longer, you know, in active service, but you know, maybe you apply for a job and you got a lot of nervous energy about it, which is helping you while you're in the job interview process. But then once you press apply and it's done, then you're just sitting there with all this extra nervous energy and not really anywhere good to point it, right? Because you already submitted the job application. And then our brains can almost be auto-tracking out of habit onto mm -hmm. that old topic of the job application, just out of habit. So what we do with the mental shortlist, when we recognize through our good metacognition skills that that's what's up, that's what's happening here. Then what we do is we pull out our good mental shortlist. The mental shortlist is where we come up with five things in advance that we know are going to be really good, productive, constructive uses of our time and energy. That can be anything from you know, thinking about your holiday, birthday, anniversary gift shopping list and getting all that knocked out ahead of time. It can be, you know, thinking about your weekend plans. It can be, you know, going to the gym. I mean, it can be whatever you know is a good thing for you and your brain and body to be focused on. And the important thing is that you actually have to write it down. Because as we all know, especially your audience more than anybody, when life gets really crazy and really hectic, we can lose sight of what are some of actually the most important pieces, right? And so having that mental shortlist actually written down, while it might seem obvious that those are good things to think about in our calm state, when mm -hmm. we get into that, you know, kind of rattled nervous energy space and our vision is more narrow, not only our physical vision, but maybe even our mental vision, and all we can see in our mind's eye is that job application, even though focusing on it is a waste of time because it's already submitted. Then all we have to do is just literally focus our eyeballs 
upon our mental short list and we say to ourselves, let's think about this instead. It's so much easier to think to pivot off of a topic like pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. It's so much <laughs> easier to pivot off of a topic when you give yourself something else that's good and better and interesting to think about than if you just say, don't think about pink elephants, because then all you're doing is reinforcing that topic in your mind. Yes. And, uh, you know, you, your nine different uh, techniques, the one I like is the very first one. And again, it's something that it's not exactly the same as as you portray it in the book. But I've done something like this through different types of therapy, and that's the three-part breath. And can is was this part of your yoga training that you came up with this? Yes. Uh, yes. And can so, you explain a little bit about that to our listeners? Yeah, definitely. So the three-part breath is something, you know, I didn't make it up myself. It is something I learned in yoga training. So the three-part breath, as the name implies, um, it is a breath that takes, you know, three parts and you locate the three parts in your body as you do the breath. And it, 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 it actually, it does require a little bit of mental effort to just even remember like what the steps are, but that's actually a blessing in disguise because we can use the three-part breath when we're starting to get a little bit panicked. We can use the three-part breath for all kinds of situations, but I personally used it even when I was having a panic attack, actually, on the Nancy Grace show. I started to have a panic attack literally on the Nancy Grace show because I mispronounced a word. <laughs> and I, you know, for me, for psychologists, PhDs, mispronouncing a word, you know, that's like, you know, the end of the world, right? So for me, because um, I was thinking, oh, no, I'm supposed to look smart. I'm supposed to have a PhD and I you know, can't even pronounce a word. And I started to have this, like, as you can see, this, you know, whole mental monologue, and I started to have this little panic attack. So I had to do the three-part breath to reset my body out of that panic attack. And then the mental energy of even just thinking the three-part breath, just thinking those words, and then remembering the steps and putting my body through them, that actually stopped me from having those anxious thoughts about seeing, oh my gosh, I'm a psychologist. I look like an idiot. Why can't I even talk? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I wasn't able to have two monologues going in my mind at once. So that's, you know, kind of a benefit of the three-part breath is that it actually forces your brain to focus on something neutral or constructive, like doing the steps of the three-part breath. But then what it also does is it forces some oxygen into your body, which is always a good thing if you're, you know, feeling stressed. A lot of people tell me that they've done deep breathing before and it didn't work. But when I learned more, I discovered that they actually just did it like a gaping breath where they're like, <sighs> you know, and it's almost like breathing into a paper bag type of a thing, right? Like just gasping for breath. And so the three-part breath guides you to go deep with your breath, but also in a very slow, controlled way. One final benefit about that good old three-part breath is it actually has been shown to build metacognition skills. So what is so amazing with anything of this mindfulness stuff, which is what the three-part breath is, is in addition to all those other benefits I named, it's a mindfulness exercise. You, you, you actually observe your breath. And I know it sounds like insane, but it's true that by learning to observe your breath, you learn to observe your thoughts. 
And a lot of people might say, well, why do I need to observe my thoughts? I know what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> However, um, if anyone here has ever had the experience, say, of like, you know, being at a deli in New York, like I have, and finally, like, discovering yourself yelling or snapping at like a deli person and then saying, wow, what the heck's wrong with me? I, I must. And then you realize like, oh, gee, I'm really stressed or gee, I'm really upset about something that happened earlier today. And so that's a case of not actually really fully knowing what was on your mind until some kind of a telltale sign slipped out. And the mindfulness and the metacognition actually gives you the jump on what's going on in your mind, which is a pretty valuable tool, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, and again, like I said, I, I, I've, I'm far from uh, uh, an expert at that, but I have used that. And it does kind of clear your mind when you, your mind is kind of jumbled and you're looking for that answer, I guess, that you're searching for at the time that kind of slows down everything and it clears your head a little bit. I'm a firm believer in that. But uh, before we go on, I just needed to read a, uh, a, uh, a quick note from the Veterans Administration. So excuse me for one mm -hmm. second. Hello, everyone. Steve Balistrieri here from softrep.com. I wanted to tell you about a new app that we've discovered, the How We Reach coaching tool. It gives simple tips that help us reach to our friends and family who need help during difficult times. We all need that support. Sometimes some of us need even more of that. It can help you start a conversation with a friend who may be going through a hard time and encourage them to find some support options to get the help that they, that they need and deserve. The How We Reach coaching tool has five simple steps. The word reach. Reach, reach out and ask, how, how are you really? Engage them about possible risk factors, attend to their safety and surroundings, connect them with resources and help them make a plan to stay safe. You can do your part to help someone who is hurting. Find out more about these simple steps when you download the How We Reach coaching tool on reach.gov. Together, we can prevent veteran suicide. As we all know, that is a very, very, big issue, especially with all of us from the veterans community. Go to reach.gov, check it out, download it to your phone so that you have it when you need it. With that in mind, it kind of plays into what we're talking about today. Stress, Dr. Chloe, thanks again for joining us. We're talking about stress. Um, I, I wanted to switch it up just a little bit. I, I know, um, you know, in special operations where myself and a lot of uh, our listeners come from, including Brandon, who you know quite well, we know what causes our stress. But um, for the most part, I guess. But what are the causes you see in your clients? And are they kind of comparable in a manner of speaking to what military people go through? Well, so Steve, I, I think that's a very generous question. And I just want to start by saying, I frankly don't think anything really could compare truly to what military uh, people go through. I actually, in my training, did work at some veterans hospitals as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I really believe that there's, there's really no you know, greater sacrifice. Um, so I, I would never compare like the stress of what civilians go through, you know, compared to what military people go through. But that said, 
I think that a lot of, you know, civilians or, you know, even ex-military people, we still, um, we still have a part of ourselves that can falsely register uh, certain mm-hmm. situations as life and death. And so even though military people have been through actual life and death, and that's why I would never compare, um, you know, our stressors, my stressors to those, uh, but in our minds, it can feel like life and death. Um, and, and a lot of it, especially for high achieving people, which I know a lot of your audience is special operations, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, on a mission, on point, type A, got to make it work like clockwork, right? Um, and so we do tend to get a little bit more stress sometimes because we want everything to go so well. We want things to be perfect. The stakes are always high in our hearts and minds. And our very identity as a successful, intelligent person can sometimes feel like it's on the line, you know, with each and every mission we run, whether it be a military mission or, you know, mm-hmm. um, a parenting mission, you know, or just like whatever <laughs> type of, you know, mission, you know, that we're on in the day to day. But like you said, Steve, also people in the military, I know, have to be very good at, as you said, being able to put their emotions aside and even outside of that in success to to be successful in life, we do have to be able to put our emotions aside, but the trick is to be able to get back in touch with your emotions later. Um, And I know some people might say, well, why bother? Right. We already put them to the side. We're done. We've moved on. Why take out all that old dirty laundry? Um, And sometimes it's true. Sometimes there's no need for that. But on the other hand, as we all know, if you stuff too much dirty laundry into the back of your closet, um, it it will come cascading out at the worst possible moment um, and and wreak more havoc, you know, than if we just dealt with it in in a normal way, right? So it's actually a blessing and a curse to be able to put your emotions aside. And I I share a lot in the book even about a surgeon, actually. I, I know you've read the book, Steve. I appreciate that. So you might know the part I mean that there I share about a surgeon and they have to be very good at putting their emotions aside right to be able to cut into somebody's body um you know in order to heal them you have to really be able to control your emotions um and and what what we need to do to make sure we get back in touch with those emotions and deal with them before they come crashing out on us at the worst possible time um there's a technique I like in the book called mind mapping which Again, I'm, you know, maybe a little bit of a stereotyper here, but I'm thinking of all your special operations people and imagining them, you know, with their maps and, you know, all that military stuff. And I bet that they could make a really, really hot mind map. So if anybody listening does decide to get the book and make a mind map and, you know, you're not shy, share a picture of your mind map on social media with me. I would, I would absolutely love to see it. And um, one more thing I just wanted to share, Steve, by the way, speaking of social media, I wanted to offer just a gift to your audience, uh, just because I, again, have such a deep appreciation um, for for what they're doing. So I'm not able to give away the book because it's actually not mine; it's the publisher's. <laughs> but I, I I do have you know like a some you know video courses and all that kind of good stuff that I would love to give your audience for free. And so if they want to direct message me on social media or anything. Um, I would be glad to send them, you know, just some videos like coupons for some of my videos and stuff. But I do hope that they'll get the book, too, because I do think there's some good stuff. And I would love to hear, 
you know, what, what actual military people say, I think that would be my true test of fire would be to get some comments <laughs> from your group. <laughs> well, you know, the, the area in the book about mind mapping, um, I, I found fascinating because uh, one of your clients or, or patient, uh, and again, I'm not sure if there's their true names, but Tamika, I've had similar kind of, uh, I guess, episodes where somebody says something that triggered an unconscious association and all of a sudden her mind went in 15 different directions and i i don't know what causes stuff like that but i've had that happen to me on occasion and then afterwards you wonder like where did this come from because somebody uh, in the book you talk about well um you know tamika somebody mentioned uh, oh there was a waiter and then it turned into her sister and then she was worrying about different things. And I think we've all had that. I don't know if it's, is that a common issue? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And what's really amazing is that sometimes the more intelligent we are and the faster our minds think and work, the more vulnerable we are to kind of taking a mental detour that that can take us off track. Right. So the book, the example you mentioned is a woman goes out for lunch and the waiter looks like a man who cheated on her sister once. 
but she doesn't even realize that consciously she just suddenly finds herself thinking about her sister and being jealous of her sister and all these, you know, <laughs> mine goes out from there. Um, and so then she showed up at my office and by the way, just to confirm the names are anonymized, you know, just due to confidentiality, I have to right. change it a couple of identifying details. But so she came to my office just saying, I don't understand why, but I'm just feeling insecure and jealous and like worked up. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> supposed to be having a great day. Like, why the hell do I feel so upset? Um, exactly. And so, you know, we, we started to do the mind map and you know, realize that it's a very interesting thing. In our brain, we have neurons. Those are the brain cells. They're neurons. And um, the neurons, they connect to each other, right? And so there's literal connections. And so it's almost like a domino effect where for reasons of two things, like the, uh, the, the look of a waiter and, you know, thoughts about this lead to a memory of that. And, you know, next thing you know, your mind is off to the races. And the mind map, I encourage in the book, even some people just like to do one every day. They're especially good for people that don't like to write in a journal, right? So if you just think about writing sentences in a journal and you're like, I feel like I'm writing an essay, I hate this, can I just do the keywords? Um, you know, the mind map, I think, is a really good way to just um, get a quick snapshot of what all those connections are. Because the more insight and knowledge we have about our own damn self, the better off we are in life, right? It's I always kind of think of it almost as like a user's manual for your brain. You want to know about it, right? Absolutely. And because when I was reading that, you know, I've always been embarrassed to mention that because sometimes we I've fallen into that where, you know, you go somewhere not exactly the same as hers played out, but... You know, somebody will say something or there's a smell in a room and it, and it takes you in 15 different directions. And then you wonder, how did the heck did I get here? You yeah. Know, or the, where the heck did I even get, you know? Yeah. Um, so, Steve, it's, it's nothing to be embarrassed about because, again, I want to say it again because I think this is important. The faster your mind works, the more likely this is to happen to you. So if you're a smart guy, Steve then that that this may be nothing to be ashamed of it's just your it's just your big smart brain no no worries on that well i think you could get odds on that part about me being a smart guy but yeah you know uh, but i thank you for that i think uh my wife would appreciate you here uh -huh. <laughs> but um to go back I, I wanted to ask you about there's a certain mindset in special operations and um it, it's and you kind of touched on this a little bit in, in the book and, you know, our special ops guys, you know, we have like a, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce a word here. So I, I hope I don't get a panic attack, a Sisyphean <laughs> complex, I guess, you know, we're, we're always searching for that. And that's, I mean, that's what special ops guys are. They're always searching for perfection and you're never going to attain that. But sometimes I wonder and, and you may find this in, as you call it, high functioning people in, in the civilian world that, that uh, you know, search for perfection in whatever it is that you pick to do. Does that eventually cause the stress that a lot of people come under? So 
I'm going to go out on a limb here, Steve, and and just say something that's like really non-PC, right? Which is that I believe there's actually nothing wrong with perfectionism, okay? So Mm -hmm. yes, the search for perfection can be stressful, but those of us who can't handle a little stress, I mean, I'm sorry, okay? But um, in order to accomplish some of the best things in life that have ever been accomplished, people had to be willing to endure some stress, right? Mm -hmm. So does perfectionism cause stress? Yes. Um, Does that mean that it's, you know, terrible and we should all drop our standards? I actually don't necessarily think so. So I I guess it kind of depends on how you define perfectionism, but the way I think of it, and again, this may not be the correct PC way to think of it, Um, I know most psychologists just have kind of a knee-jerk reaction, like perfectionism is bad. (laughs) But I actually personally like to think of it, Steve, the way that you put it, which is it's just a striving for excellence. It's just having a goal of saying, I would like to be able to do this error-free, right? So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do think, however, that ironically, the search and the pursuit of perfectionism is what keeps people from being as close to perfect as they can. So the irony is that if you, you know, again, suppose that job application example I gave with Mm -hmm. the mental shortlist, suppose that you hit send on the application, 10 minutes later, you discover a typo in your application. And of course, it's very triggering for the perfectionist side of you. What somebody might do is spend then three hours beating themselves up over that typo. Total waste of energy, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually keeping them from then executing perfectly on whatever is actually next in their plate because they're so focused on that mistake from the past that there's nothing that they can even do anything about. So I do like the idea of perfectionism and I give everybody permission to try to be as, <laughs> as, as, as perfect as they want to be. I don't think that we should try to put those expectations on other people, but I would never try to tell somebody that they don't oh, no. have it in them, you know, that if they want to strive to perfectionism, which frankly I do, that doesn't mean I am perfect, far from it. But what I like to be, what I like to try for that, of course. Um, and so when I do make a mistake, which happens more often than I like to admit, um, I am tempted to waste a bunch of my nervous energy around that mistake by just beating myself up about it. But a good technique instead, like say the mental shortlist is where I can then say to myself, okay, that typo has, you know, hit the stands already. So at this point, I've just got all this adrenaline and energy from noticing that mistake and I'm all riled up about it. Why don't I point my energy here now on something I can actually do something about? Why don't I take that energy and apply for five more jobs since I'm feeling so riled up here, right? So again, I think there's actually nothing wrong with wanting to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. we just have to take the, the drive to be perfect and make sure we actually use it towards excellence rather than wasting it on picking ourselves apart in ways that are actually not even going to move us any closer towards perfection. And and another area I wanted to touch on from the book was the zone of control, because I think a lot of people, that's where a a lot of us lose our focus. And 
Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the zone of control, I think, is is such a good one. So in the zone of control, what we do is it's basically like guiding you step by step um, of how to apply the serenity prayer in your life, right? So God grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference, right? So the wisdom part, um, I love God, but I'm going to go on a limb and say, maybe it's not something that God just has to grant us. It's actually something that we can get for ourselves. So by doing that zone of control, we take some kind of a challenge that we're having in our life. I'll just take the job example just to keep it simple. And you want to get a new job and you think about all the things that are in your control around that, like, you know, all the places that you could apply, getting a resume review, like all this stuff you could do. And then you think about the things that are not in your control, like maybe like perhaps your job history doesn't have the exact experience that you think would be most applicable or, you know, uh, whatever it is that's in the challenge side that you actually cannot control and having it very clear about what's not in control versus what is in control and having it written down again, because it sounds so calm when we're just thinking about it normally, but when we get all into a worked up space, um, it can be very difficult. So I actually worked with a wonderful client who was an ex-military and he taught me a term that I might even misuse called the fog of war. And he said in the fog of war, he actually shared this with me, um, when I was teaching him some techniques that I, you know, that he liked, that he found very helpful. And he said it reminded him of the fog of war, that when you're in the fog of war, he said everything can seem upside down. You don't know which way you're going. Things don't make sense. You might make decisions that could even be irrational because you're in like this fog of war. Um, and so by writing things down in the zone of control and what's not in the zone of control, then when life puts you in that fog of war, it's very simple to just know exactly where you're pointing your eyeballs. The zone of control is your North Star. And you know that if you literally just physically point your eyeballs at what's in the zone of control, and part of the exercise in the book is you not only identify the zone of control, you jot down one or two actions you can take around those items, because by definition, that's what puts them in the zone of control is that there's something you can do to control them, to affect them. So you not only put what's there in the zone of control, and then you also put the actions you can take. And then when you're just feeling anxious about, oh, job search jitters, instead of just sitting there with those jitters, you say, oh, thank God for that little zing of nervous energy I've got going here. Let me point my eyeballs at my zone of control, see what action steps I can take right now. And then when anything from that zone of non-control starts gnawing at you, you just know very clearly, like that is off limits. That's not on the menu for me. That's just a waste of my time. And then you just track your eyeballs one inch to the left over to your zone of control. And that's where you <laughs> knock it out. Well, we're talking here with Dr. Chloe Carmichael, whose book, Nervous Energy, How Harness the Power of Your Anxiety, and her nine techniques of harnessing your power are really, really good. I've, I've just finished, like I said, over the weekend, I just finished reading the book. It was, I think it's, it's very, very helpful. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, because of the COVID that's going on now, are you doing more and more like virtual appointments with video 
or are you still seeing a lot of your patients in person? Well, my office has done video visits for a long time, and I personally am on sabbatical from individual visits because I'm really putting all my time and attention into this book and into programs and classes and, you know, time like this. I, I want to get the word out, you know, to people about the book. So whether they want to read with their eyes or whether they want to listen with their ears, we got the audiobooks, we got everything so I've been putting my effort into that, but the therapists, God bless them that work for me at my office. Uh, they have been, um, they've been doing everything virtually for over a year now. And to be honest, it's actually been kind of a breath of fresh air to drop that, you know, Park Avenue office rent. So I haven't really minded that at all. Like, again, <laughs> my heart goes out to people who have suffered tragedy due to COVID. And I don't mean to make light of it, but I'm just to answer your question, you know, we, we're still doing things virtually, even though I personally am full-time focused on the book. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't know if, if virtual was, uh, is that kind of the wave of the future? I mean, even after COVID's over where you can, you know, reach some of your, your patients, you know, if they're traveling, especially, you know, you talk about some high functioning people, high, high level people in this, in the business world where they can reach you if they have an issue and, or is, is there drawbacks to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's always pluses and minuses. So as I said, like I've been doing virtual, like literally for years, like I actually wrote an article in us news and world report about how to even find a good online therapist, because the game is a little different when you're trying to vet people online. Um, so I, I do think that you know, it's important to make sure you get a good virtual therapist. And I've been doing virtual for a long time. So, but I, I've loved like the virtual thing, even in terms of this book, we're actually organizing like master classes and things mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, again, I, I, I don't own the book, so I can't, <laughs> you know, give the book away, but you know, if anybody does buy the book and, you know, share their receipt with me, over social media or whatever, I will put you into one of the master classes uh, for free because, again, I just have like the deepest soft spot in my heart, um, you know, in my heart and my mind. I mean, it's really not lost on me that we would not be here if it were not for you know people like like you and your audience. So I want to thank you all again for that. Well, thank you, Doctor. Uh, uh, you know, we appreciate your you taking the time today and. You know, tell our listeners a, a little bit more about the book, where they can find it. I know it's on Amazon, but you also sell it off of your website. So uh, and tell them where they can find it. And, uh, you know, if you want to add any more details about the book. Yeah, sure. So the book is on Amazon, which, to be honest, I would love it if y'all bought it there. Because if you buy it on Amazon and then you leave a review um, which will help me so much because it will help me to get another book deal with my publisher. Um, like if you get Amazon reviews, it's kind of worth its weight in gold. And Amazon is really good at knowing if I just get my own friends and family to do the reviews, they have like algorithms that will check that. So if your listeners that don't know me, um, you know, did get the book on Amazon and leave a nice review, um, I would, you know, it would just be like, it would, it would, like rock my world in the biggest way. Um, so the best thing to do, I think, is to go to Amazon and get the book. If for some reason you just don't like Amazon, um, you can get it at Barnes and Noble or nervousenergybook.com, wherever books are sold. But 
really Amazon is kind of the powerhouse these days, even though I've got mixed feelings about some of the things Amazon's up to sometimes, but I just have to go with what they're doing right now. And that's where my book and that's what I need to happen. That's my mission right now. Excellent. And, and it was, it was a very interesting book and uh, I was glad you were able to share with us here at softrep.com. Uh, and you know, I, I got a lot out of it and I've uh, underlined some of the, the highlights of the book, because I think uh, these are going to be some of the things that I use on a daily basis. And I encourage all of our listeners out there and our readers to do the same. I think it will help you a lot. Before we wrap this up, I just wanted to say, if you want to get SoftRep on your phone, download our free mobile app and get easy access to our articles, podcasts, and gear reviews, all perfectly formatted to your device. Please subscribe to softrep.com to get access to all of our library of ebooks and our, our exclusive team room content forums and um, our podcasts as well. So available on all your Apple and Android devices. Dr. Chloe Carmichael, thanks again for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. I apologize for our technical glitch before we get started today, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, we look forward to the next book. and. Um, you know, uh, we wish you all the best for that. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to share with you. Thanks again. Oh, thank you. And we'll be back with another podcast real soon. But for myself, Steve Balistrieri, all of us here at softrep.com and our uh, guest this morning, Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Thanks for listening, folks. Don't turn that dial. Softrep.com on time on target. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 